Good morning. This is Pastor Dwayne, and we are so excited you have chosen to tune in uh, to our worship service here at Lewisport Baptist Church. Uh, we hope that this service is both exalting to Jesus and edifying to you. And so we pray that you will truly hear from the Lord today. Go ahead, church, and, and turn to Habakkuk chapter 3 as we think about this eighth minor prophet. And as you turn to chapter 3, he's definitely in an hour of darkness and confusion. And I've entitled this message today, The Prophet's Praise. In Habakkuk chapter 3, we've been discussing several weeks what it looks like to have faith in the midst of a dark night. God's prophet Habakkuk, man who had a lot of questions, a man who screamed at God. And I testified last week that I've, I've been guilty of screaming at God. In the darkness of my life, if, you know, occurrences of confusion, I've screamed out saying, Lord, where are you? Why did you let this happen? Why this diagnosis? And I know a lot of you, you can connect with me because you, you've been there and done that as well. Well, this prophet is screaming out for questions with no answers. And so in other words, he was wondering, God, if you are truly sovereign and if you are up there, if you care for us at all, where are you? And he had all these questions in chapter 1, and then you flip over to chapter 2, and it's like he had to get alone with God. He had to get silent before the Lord to really hear from God and watch his movement. And you know what God said to Habakkuk? Well, listen. If I told you all the reasons why I'm working and how I've worked, you wouldn't even believe me. So I can sit down with you and give all the reasons, but even if I did it, you would not get it. I think back to my own life, my own journey, looking back 10 years, 20 years. And really that, that kind of impacts, even as I'm preaching to you, how I wondered back then, Lord, why, but it's clearer now. Maybe I wouldn't have got it 20 years ago, but I do now. And because I've, I've got alone with God. I've lived life. <laughs> I, I, I've listened to the Lord. I've had to watch his movement over time. And so he worked during the days of Habakkuk, God did. He's working in our lives. Amen? So don't live in doubt. I mean, there's going to be times of doubting. You're going to have questions. You're going to wonder why the sinfulness, why the violence, why does the enemy seem to be winning? <laughs> uh, you ever thought of that? And we're trying to live for the Lord. We're trying to make headway. We're trying to make disciples, take mission trips, do this, that. Your family's trying to be on mission. And then, bam, seems like the enemy just keeps kicking you down over and over and over don't live in doubt. Live by God's promises. Step back. Get alone with the Lord because he has a plan, Romans 8, 28. This chapter, chapter 3, is definitely a, a prayer song. Probably used during worship in the temple even. In verse 1, Scripture says, A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet according to Shigeneth. Lord, I've heard the report about you and I... I'm in fear. Oh, Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make 
it known. Then he's praying for mercy. And so, you know, in the first couple of verses, you see the, the deep feelings of the prophet. He is proclaiming to God. He's screaming out now in praise and adoration. He's, he's been through that dark moment of despair and confusion with lots of questions. But now he shifts to prayer and praise. All right? And so as you think about this, song, this prayer psalm, as you think about these verses just declaring who God is and looking back, when you look at 3 through 19, you see God's activity. So before he could really continue in a life pleasing to the Lord, he had to look back at God's faithfulness because, listen, LBC, God is faithful, right? God is faithful. He was faithful then, and he's faithful now. So what do we glean from these verses? First and foremost, you find the prophet's prayer, this prayer for mercy. And I've heard the report which you could go back to chapter 2, 2 through 6, and you find God's word to his prophet. I mean, God answered him. And he said, I've got a message for you. Write this down. So Habakkuk moves from complaining. He moves from screaming to praying because he received God's report, this message. And what does the prophet do? He steps back and he Prays to God and he says this, O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. This goes deeper than personal revival, all right? This is more of, Lord, you've got plans and you've got a purpose, so revive your work. Do whatever it takes to bring your people back. Continue the work to to bring your people back to obedience. Revive the work in the midst of the years, and make it known. You see what the prophet is telling us. He's saying, Lord, I've struggled with doubt. I mean, and, and I've been discouraged. Anybody ever been discouraged lately? <laughs> I've been discouraged and I've wondered where you have been. So I've listened and, and I'm watching you work. And I'm praising your name because you are God. Revive your work, continue the plan. I'm going to trust you at this point. You know, that's the best place to be, trusting God. When life doesn't make sense, when you can't understand the big picture, God has the big picture. Genesis to Revelation, God's working it all out. There's going to be good years and not so good years. There's going to be a a day of, of rest and a day of restlessness. There's going to be mountaintop experiences and victories. And I love mountaintop. But I learned more in Valley. And Habakkuk had to learn that God's ways are so much higher, that God is sovereign. He's in control of it all. And oh, Lord, even if you, if you work through a, a work of judgment, even if you use the Babylonians, and, and he's like, are you kidding me? Do you really have to use the Babylonians? Do you have to use this ruthless people? I mean, they are more sinful than we are, you know. And so he's definitely wanting to reason with God. And many times, even in my life, in your life, we try to reason with God. And God doesn't promise us reasons, but he gives us revelation. And so he gives Habakkuk divine revelation, his presence, his promises, his spoken word. And Habakkuk had to arrive to the place, church, 
as he prayed this prayer of mercy that he would surely obey the Lord. And so his focus is finally off of himself, off of the violence and the sinfulness, and now it shifts to the glory of God. And that's where we all need to be. No man's going to fix the mess of America. No man. No program. No reform. Only God can heal our land. God blesses and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, right? So his focus is not on himself. It's not on his accolades. It's not on violence. It's not on the Babylonians. His focus now shifts to God's kingdom. So he took one steady, long look at God. And that's what scripture says. I've heard this report, revive your work in the midst of the years, in wrath, remember mercy, saying in judgment upon us, remember us in mercy. And and I love verse 3. God comes from Timon and the Holy One from Mount Perrin. His splendor covers the heavens and the earth is full of his praise. That is so uplifting and encouraging. In a dark night, when we don't know what step to take, God's glory fills this earth. His kingdom will continue to advance. Martin Lord Jones said this about our troubles and gazing upon the Lord. Our troubles can nearly all be traced to our persistence and looking at the immediate problems themselves instead of looking at them in the light of God really agree with that we can look all day long at the problems and sinfulness and violence and our enemies but when we step back and get alone and say lord what are you teaching me through these difficult days what will you teach me in the next month about yourself how will your kingdom continue to advance when it seems like the enemy is winning (laughs) you know I mean, so you've got to arrive at a place that we we celebrate and we praise the Lord and we trust in him whether the days are good or not so good, right? Well, that's the lesson he had to learn. It's it's almost like Isaiah 6. Isaiah had a lot of questions. And before he could really be used of God, he had to see the Lord. So the Bible depicts Isaiah 6, 1 through 6. Isaiah looked up and he saw the Lord in all of his glory. And it changed perspective. Listen, church, it changed everything about that prophet. And when he truly saw the glory of God, he saw himself for who he was. And then he was able to see other people and really be used of God. He looked upward, then inward, and then was able to look outward. I saw the Lord. Isaiah had to look up, and he was able to worship. Friend, I encourage you to look up. Don't just focus on problems. Don't just focus on you trying to figure out the, the financial problem, relationship gone bad, issues in the home, in our country. Let's look up and ask God for help, right? We would do well to heed these words from the prophet. As he got alone with God, as he prayed. And secondly, as he remembered. 3 through 19, you've got this long dialogue of, of the prophet Habakkuk just saying, Lord, I've seen your work. I'm looking back at history here, and I, and I know how you delivered your own people from Egyptian bondage. And so check out these verses. 
His radiance is like the sunlight in verse 4. He has rays flashing from his hand. There is no hiding of his power. Verse 5, before him goes pestilence and plague comes after him. He stood and surveyed the earth. He looked and startled the nations. Yet the perpetual mountains were shattered. The ancient hills collapsed. His ways are everlasting. And I saw the tents of Cushion under distress. The tent curtains of the land of Midian were trembling. Did the Lord rage against the rivers? Or was your anger against the rivers? Or was your wrath against the sea that you rode on your horses, on your chariots, look, of salvation? We're looking back at the Exodus when God parted the sea. If God can do a miracle then, do you think he can bless us now? That's what you've got to do. Let's get back. Let's, let, let's pray. Let's plead. And let's remember God is faithful. The mountains saw you and quaked. The downpour of water swept by. The deep uttered forth its voice. It lifted high its hands. Sun and moon stood in their places. They went away at the light of your arrows. In indignation, in verse 12, you marched through the earth. In anger, you trampled the nations. You went forth for the salvation of your people. For the salvation of your anointed, you struck the head of the house of the evil. And you go on and on and on at God's work and faithfulness in the past. So what do we do today? Write this down. Remember it. Remember God's glory. Remember God's glory. Don't miss that. In order for the prophet to move ahead in life, living a life of praise, he had to remember the work of God. And that's what we've got to do. God came down. God allowed earthquakes in this passage. God parted the Red Sea and let the Israelites escape from the Egyptians. God caused the sun and moon to stand still. God brought victory for his people. Habakkuk had to remember but, uh, you know, we're like Habakkuk. In the heat of the moment, things are going so well. And then, boom, things are not so well. What do we do? We worry. We fret. We're confused. We scream and ask God, where are you? God says, I don't have to give you reasons. My presence should be enough. Do you realize that God's enough for you this morning? Realize God's enough. These images must, must have resonated with the people during Habakkuk's, Habakkuk's time to see with God all things are possible. That God would work and reveal himself in power against the enemy. Yet God would use the Babylonians, check it out. God would use the enemy in the grand picture of things to bring destruction on his own people. But God said, listen, they're about to fall as well. They're going to get what they deserve. I will bring them down. Martin Lloyd-Jones continues some quotes here. He said, if God did not actually do the things recorded in the Old Testament for Israel, then the whole Bible must just be a big piece of uh, psychology meant, meant to keep me happy. The Bible, however, plainly shows that my comfort and consolation lie in facts. The fact that God has done certain things and that they've actually happened. Listen, church, hold your Bible this morning. You realize this is not just a bunch of stories, right? You realize this is the, the very words of God? You realize that this stuff did happen? 
that God's working. We have actual events. We have facts. We can take God at his promises because these are facts. The God in whom I believe is the God who could and did divide the Red Sea and the River Jordan. And in reminding himself and us of these things, Habakkuk is not just comforting himself by playing with ideas. He's speaking of actual facts that God did. It wasn't the people that did it. It was God himself that did all these things. So the Christian faith is solely based upon facts, not ideas. The resurrection actually happened. It's not an idea. And because the resurrection happened, that Christ arose from the grave, you've got great hope this morning. Amen? We serve a risen Savior. These things actually happened. It's facts. And the facts recorded in the Bible are are not true. If they're not true, then I have zero hope and comfort. So we're not saved by ideas. We're not saved by, by good, you know, good works. We're saved by actual facts and promises from the written, written word. And Habakkuk had to arrive as he screamed, as he became silent, and as he prayed and then praised that God is enough and he can be trusted. His splendor covers the heavens and the earth is full of his praises. So even in the dark nights of this life, God is worthy to be praised. So you see this overwhelming strength and power of Almighty God. So God's like, you know, the Babylonians may really uh, cause pain down there. (laughs) And God is saying, those Babylonians, you know, they're ruthless. I mean, they're very violent people. and, And I've told you all that they've tried to do as far as oppressing the poor and taking for themselves and and just bringing a lot of violence to the land, but they may do that down there, but they're not going to do it up here. That's what God is saying. They won't get close up where I am. The earth is full of his glory. Nothing takes God by surprise. He is in complete control. So the prophet had to understand, man, I've got to pray for mercy, and I've got to trust God, and I've got to remember And so you've got that prayer of trust now in verse 18. Go all the way down and check out verse 17. And so the prophet arrived at this stage. Though the fig trees should not blossom. I mean, if there's nothing happens with the fig tree, all right? And there's no fruit on the vines. I mean, if everything looks dark and bleak and hopeless, guess what? I'm still going to praise the name of my Lord. I I love those verses. Though the night continue to be dark I'm still going to worship and the fields produce no food though the flock should be cut off from the fold there be no cattle in the, the stalls yet I will exult in the Lord and shouldn't that be all of God's people arriving at this point we praise God in good days we praise God when things are going well but we praise him when things are not so well when doctor comes in when whoever's put in the White House we're still gonna praise the name of Jesus we're still gonna make disciples we're still gonna take mission trips church and listen I'll be honest with you I have no idea about next year I have no idea about next month but I know who God is And I trust his character and his promises 
and his word. Psalm 9 and verse 10. And those who know your name put their hope in you. O Lord, have you not forsaken those who seek you? Trusting God for the unknown is definitely biblical. And you've got all kinds of examples in Scripture. Check out Hebrews 11.8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would receive as an inheritance later, he obeyed and he went, even though he did not know where he was going. So that's what we're called to do is live by faith when the night is dark, when we can't see the next step. God calls us to keep walking, to keep living to keep obeying, to keep trusting. And trusting God expresses confidence that his timing is perfect. Now, I'd love to have a chat with God. I'd love to ask him, even I look about my own life, why did that happen? Why, why that diagnosis with an eye disease when I was like 23 years old? And I walk in that room and they're like, listen, what do you do for a living? I'm like, I'm a preacher. He's like, well, I can't even promise that you'll see next, next year. You've got this, I can't even say the name. It's this long word, Gertikonis. And that rocked my world. I mean, it totally shook me. And I was fearful, and I screamed at God. And I'm like, Lord, I'm trying to... Uh, worship you, love you, lead your people, preach your word. And here I am in an office, and they're trying to figure out with my eyes, and I may not be able to even see the Bible. Anybody ever been where I am? And I question and wonder, Lord, what, what in the world are you doing? But as I look back, it's been many, many years I see today. <laughs> I'm preaching to you today. And he's faithful, right? He's faithful. Some of you I know can testify, you know, Dwayne, I've had cancer, I lost a loved one, I lost a child, you know, this has happened in my life and I couldn't see then, but I can see clearer now. Why God shut that door, he opened this door, he allowed that diagnosis for a time such as that. We can't see perspective from God's perspective until we get alone and we remember and we watch his work. And that's what Habakkuk had to do. Habakkuk 2.3, the vision is set for an appointed time. It hastens toward the goal. It will not fail. My message will not fail. I've got a vision that will carry on. So Habakkuk, your struggles, your midnight cries will be used to encourage somebody else to keep moving ahead. Isn't that how God works? We live by faith. And listen, this life is not all about you. It's about God's glory and you're encouraging somebody else being at church today. It's not all about you. It's about worship and equipping one another. It's about sharpening one another, doing life well together. The prophet says in verse 18, I will praise the Lord. <laughs> God can give us songs in the night. Even though the darkness and pain triumph, we have to trust in God. The Babylonians would overwhelm Judah, and the enemy would triumph for a season, but God chose to work even through the enemy. Can he do that? Yes. He can use dark days. He can use all types of leaders. I mean, he can work in difficult hours because God is sovereign. He sees the big picture. And he's making all things new. 
And in this book, it's all pointing to Jesus Christ. (laughs) The earth is going to be full of his glory and radiance. I mean, God is saying, just hold on, Habakkuk. Just breathe (laughs) because I've got a plan. I love that. Remember Paul and Silas and the Philippian jail cell? When everything looked hopeless and dark and they're chained up. But what happened? They burst out in praise. They praised God and it was contagious, their worship. That's what we need. And it leaves me with number four, the prophet's praise. We need to learn to praise in dark days. So if you're down, discouraged, hopeless, distracted, read chapter Three, the whole chapter resonates with the goodness of God. What is Habakkuk saying? You better get a grip on this verse. He's saying, look, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know this, that God is on his throne and my standard of living may change, but not my standard of life. My circumstances may look really troubled, but God has this because God has me. And I'm called to live by faith because God is enough. We must all reach a point when we rejoice over the character of God rather than the circumstances we find ourselves. 17 and 18, if it all falls apart, if there's no fruit at the end of the night, ultimately the reason of these things happening in these verses in a broader context can all be traced to the failure of God's people to keep the covenantal relationship with God. And disobedience always brings discipline. Disobedience will always bring God's wrath. You see how all this is pointing to Jesus that we cannot completely obey God, but he will obey completely by coming down and doing the unthinkable in the New Testament. That's good news. Moses even warned in closing about the the eventual fall of his people, Leviticus 26. And it says, if after all this you will not listen to me, I will punish you for your sin seven times over. I'll break down your stubborn pride and make the sky like iron and bronze. Your strength will be spent in vain because your soil will not yield its crop, nor will the trees of the land yield their fruit. This is spiritual depth here. That God's wrath would be poured out. And in the end, God's making all things new through his son. And that the people of God are called to obey and then they would disobey in this vicious cycle. All climaxing a New Testament where God says, I'm going to come down and do what you cannot. So if you're lost this morning, you're like, Brother D, I'm lost. I don't have a relationship. I am living in darkness and doubting. Trust Christ. Trust Christ. In verse 19, Habakkuk declares the Lord God, he is my strength and he has made my feet like hinds feet. He makes me walk on high places. It reminds me of Israel. If you've ever been, I've been once. You know the gazelles, those animals that climb to the very top of rocks. They climb to the top and, and beneath, you've got all the troublemakers, right? You've got all the predators. But these gazelles, they will climb very high, very swift, very fast animals. The gazelle is up there where no one can reach him. God is saying, I'm going to lift you up. He is my strength. 
He makes my feet run. In church, you may be, you're like, I want to give up. I mean, I'm done. I'm done. But God will give you the strength that you need. So Habakkuk teaches us to call upon God's name, to trust him and wait for him to work. So even if violence comes, even if his destruction overwhelms us, Habakkuk says, let's remain faithful and rejoice and praise. It reminds me, Ryan, as you come up, it reminds me of Nehemiah 8.10. And Nehemiah prayed. I mean, he didn't wait on somebody else to do what he himself could do. He got in the middle of God's will. And he found deep joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And, you know, that is our joy. Men cannot give you joy. This world cannot fulfill and give you the joy that you need. Only God can give you true satisfaction. I'm talking about deep joy that surpasses happenings. Not everything is happy in this life, LBC. But I've got a joy in the Lord that surpasses my happenings. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, shall hardship, shall persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or even the sword. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm talking about King Jesus. That in Jesus Christ, we can place ultimate faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He's done the, the, the unthinkable. He took on flesh, dwelt among us, and he died in our place, and you should have been there. You should have been on that cross because you're a sinner. But God said, I love you this much that I'll, I'll provide the great exchange. I'll give you my righteousness and you give me your filthy rags. So we give God our filthy rags, our sinfulness, our wickedness, everything to him. And he says, stand in me. And because I've trusted Jesus, I can't speak for you. But because I've trusted in Christ, I stand in him. And when God calls my name online, when God calls my name, I'm going to stand forgiven. Not in my own righteousness, I stand in Jesus' righteousness. His shed blood covers us and forgives us. So every head is bowed. I wonder this morning, are you lost in need of a Savior? Do you need forgiveness from sins? Do you know without a doubt if you died at this moment, you would be in the ever presence of God? Well, I hope so. Listen, that's not going to cut it. Well, I hope I've been good. Good works, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It's not about good works. It's about grace. It's about faith. Well, Brother D, I've been to church a long time. Church won't save you. I've been baptized. Well, that's something else. Water baptism will not save you from sinfulness. Jesus Christ plus nothing equals salvation. Let me say it again. Jesus Christ plus nothing, nothing equals salvation. You're like, Brother D, I want to be saved. I want to give my life. I want to follow him, and I want there to be fruit to show for it. Then trust Christ. Would you call on his name? I'll pray for you right now. If you're lost, just raise your hand. I'm praying for you. Put your hand back down. That's all I ask. Do you need to be saved? Just raise your hand. Brother Day, I need to be saved. I want to know I have a home in glory. Anyone? Anyone in the back? Up front? Even online? You believe. You trust Christ. You repent of your sins. 
you confess him as Lord. Father, in this invitation, I thank you for a screaming prophet that became a praising prophet. I praise you, God, that Habakkuk, the whole theme is just an illustration of our goodness and our works will never cut it. Lord, you are good. And that we need to live by faith, not by sight. The just shall live by faith. I pray you'd save sinners, Lord. I pray that you would bring back believers to yourself that have drifted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the worship service of Lewisport Baptist Church. We hope you join in again next Sunday as we worship the Lord. And if you would like to check out uh, ministries and opportunities to serve the Lord on our website, just go to lewisportbaptist.org. And again, this is Brother Dwayne. We're so glad you, you chose to listen today.